Welcome along to the very latest Forever Blue podcast and uh, thanks very much as always to the Holiday Inn at Central Park in Manchester, not too far from the Etihad Stadium, who are our hosts for this podcast. And also thanks very much to D&W Cars, who are of Castleton, which is near Rochdale, uh, and who are supporters of my podcast from now until the end of this season. And having been directly involved with them, been to their venue, seen their cars, met them, even though car dealers sometimes have a bad name, they're great guys, honestly. And if you've got any uh, requirements for a second-hand car, I can highly recommend them, having had personal experience, so thanks to them. Now, with me this week, I have just two stars, but one of them is a mega star. That's Emily. No, I mean... <laughs> it is Emily, actually. No, it is Emily. Emily's here. Just tell us your background, Emily. Um... I'm Emily, um, I've written for King of the Kipax for 20 years now, done loads of bits and pieces in city media, done podcasts and radio things with you for many, many years, and above all, been a city fan since late 80s, so yeah, for my sins. And, and the other person, just a, you know understated uh, guest this week, is a certain Mr Andy Morrison, um, former city captain, hero, the man who pulled the club up by the by the, 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 the laces when City were down at their lowest ebb, uh, when they needed a leader, and in came Mr Andy Morrison. Um, so I don't think you need to really introduce yourself much, do you? Um, no, kind words, Ian. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been nice, nice to be uh, asked along. Um, I'm looking forward to having a, a good chat and reminiscing with you. Well, we're actually going to do two podcasts. So this is the first of two podcasts. This podcast is is what you'd call a topical podcast. We're recording this on the Monday night, just after the draw for the FA Cup fifth round has been made, Middlesbrough or Newport away, uh, a couple of days after City have played in the fourth round, of course, and smoothly gone through against Burnley, and with Newcastle tomorrow night. So we're going to talk about topical stuff in this one, but there will be a separate podcast, which by the time you're listening to this might already be available, which is a more in-depth interview with Andy about his life and his career. And Emily's going to chuck a couple of questions in as well, because we've been asking people what you want to hear from Andy. So let's start with the topical stuff. Um, City, of course, played at the weekend against Burnley. I suspect you were probably on the sidelines in North Wales, were you coaching at that time, Andy? Yeah, we were uh, down in Camarden in the uh, last 16 of the Welsh Cup, which which we're the holders this, at, the, at this moment. Um, so we had a good result, 3-1 down there. Brilliant. So not, not as good as Cities, but it was a, a positive result and a good trip back. Obviously, um, you know, got wind of the result and that. And uh, my, my two of my kids were at the game, so I got a run down on Saturday night from them, just how good they were. What have you made of City at the moment? Because obviously we can just talk about the Burnley game, but there's so much more to talk about. Um, City's form has, has been brilliant and since uh, the victory against Liverpool, the turn of the year, there was that little dip after the defeats against Leicester and Crystal Palace. But it's, it's, not, out in, it's not in their control anymore. I mean, I was at the Pep Guardiola press conference earlier today and people were pressing him, the media were pressing him and saying, well... Obviously, um, you need Liverpool to slip. Do you think Liverpool will slip? Um, and he straight batted it and said, well, all we can do is win all our games. About 14 games, I think, to go, something like that. Do you now, from your position as a as a blue, let's face it, um, do, do you look at this title race as being over? Do you think Liverpool can win all the games? I think they're in a rich reign of form and I think they look really strong. I was so impressed with them when they went to Wolves 
and won, um, I think it was 2-0. It just seemed a stroll and it just seemed so easy for them. You know, they looked strength and in depth all over the pitch. And at that point, I did think, you know, they are a formidable force and they're going to be a, a they're going to ask real questions of City this year. Um, but football doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. There's just so many twists and things that come along that, you know, you, you can't legislate for things in football. And um, it happened with us, with, you know, with Palace and Leicester. Do you know, did it coincide with Ferrandinho not in the team? Yeah, possibly. Um, which is you know, I've waxed lyrical for, for many many years to you. You know when people weren't sure, like you know, and I said just how special a player he was, and um, and we miss him when he's not in the team, and uh, and then you went into the Liverpool game obviously, and you saw, just the most monumental game that I've seen, from a City player for a long time. Fernandinho on that night it was absolutely incredible and um, shows just how important he was to us. So going back to Liverpool, they're going to drop points without a shadow of doubt because... Um, Even though they look like they've got the easier games. Well, yeah, but those games that are easier are teams that are desperate for wins to stay out of the bottom four or, you know, when them games can become even harder, you know, you, you go to a team that are battling with three or four games to go and their place is full and it's rocking, it creates almost a cup final atmosphere for that team. You know, the teams that are middle of the table where there's nothing to play for and the, the ground is, you know, three quarters to four fifths full and they the, there's a lack of energy and they just roll over. Then you know, those teams that are down the bottom are fighting for their lives and they will create an incredible atmosphere. So they're tough games and um and there'll just be there'll be so many twists and turns, but as Pep said, all we can do is win our games and just keep asking the question because you know for 29 years they've not won it and there's a reason behind that you know and to actually break that duck it's a huge huge ask you know it took City so long um, you know it, it, the catalyst was the winning the cup you know and then it kicks on from there but um, you know it's got to be tight all the way because like I say there's no disrespect um, Liverpool in any way because they do look formidable but you know, I don't think they've really had key players. You know, they'll say the full backs and all that they've been missing, but they've not missed their key players. You know, which is um, which is obviously Salah, Mane, and um, Firmino. Yeah, and the centre half. And then Van Dijk. Van Dijk. You know, yeah, you pick out the centre half, wouldn't you? You've yeah. been in the centre half club. <laughs> you pull them. <laughs> you pull one of them out, and I don't think they've got the personnel behind that to actually. Um, to be a strong, so we'll see. There'll be questions that'll be asked along the way. How good is Van Dijk? I mean, you know, some people are talking about him being the best player in Europe at the moment. Is he? Who better to ask that question? Um, I think he's very, very good. You know, he reminds me of uh, Vinny still at the top of his game for me when he plays, but, you know, two or three seasons ago, you know, Vinny was in that same sort of league as what he's playing at the minute. He looks, you know, you can get pulled out wide and in one-on-one -on -one situations he's comfy you know if it's a straight battle he's comfy he's very very comfy in possession of the ball so um it's you know he's, a, he's an all-round center half do you know that uh but you know we're not short in that area you know we've got some exceptional players there you know Laporte, Stones, Vinny, you know Otamendi we're very very strong in that in that area so um but yeah he is right at the top of his game at the minute when the Everton game was moved, Emily, you know, a lot of people on social media particularly looked at the run of fixtures, Arsenal, 
Now it's Everton and Chelsea. Uh, there's obviously going to be an FA Cup tie. We now know that's going to be an away game. The sequence of events looks tough on paper to me. And also, um, it means City will get ahead of Liverpool in terms of games played. How do you feel about all that? Do you, is that wrong? I mean, why, why has that happened? Well, it's... For the fans and the away day aspect of it, obviously they haven't got much time to organise things and to plan like that. But for City, if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And it's a gauntlet thrown down and they've got to relish the challenge. And for me, this is where the the strength of the squad comes into play because we've got so many games coming up now, you know, two games a week constantly. February looks ridiculous and it's not just you know menial games either we've got big games we've got Arsenal we've got Chelsea the cup final Schalke Champions League games the FA Cup game that's just been announced all four competitions and it's do or die isn't it it's the real test now for the squad and the team and to see where we're at and to see if we are serious about winning all four competitions but we should have that strength in depth to be able to cope because Pep has shown that he can tinker and he does rotate and he does facilitate different places, different different players in different roles like that. So it shouldn't be much of a problem. And I agree with Andy that I do think that Liverpool will falter as well because we've seen it before against Chelsea with the Gerrard slip. You know, they looked pretty comfortable then and Gerrard was really confident saying we can't let it slip, ironically. And then it's these unforeseen moments in football that can come along and you can't ever plan for anything like that happening. That, that slip by Gerrard with Denver Bar through on goal and then us playing Palace straight after it and it was suddenly, it's advantage city and that's what football's like and that's why we love it so much. But you can't ever plan for it and it is those games against the teams that are scrapping and battling for their lives that you've got to be really careful about because they can really come along and surprise you so you just can't take anything for granted but this is a crucial month coming up now that's why crystal palace and leicester were surprises weren't they? i mean nobody expected city to slip up in those i mean i i watch a lot of tennis i'm a bit of a tennis fan and they talk about when it gets to that final game when a player even if somebody's miles ahead that their, their arm stiffens up or something changes. You presumably, as a player, Andy, have been in that position when it comes to whether it's a, a particular game or a few minutes in a game when you're expected to win. Does that happen? Did that happen to you, that you suddenly didn't play with the freedom you used to play I with? Don't, I don't know. Can't imagine it happening to you. No, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, it's hard to say, but without a shadow of doubt, as the games become more pressured and the, there's, you know, there's... They become more, um, the points are harder to come by, and the players will become mentally conscious of it during the week's training. Like, you know, we have to win this one. If we can get this one, and then there's, you know, immediately once the mind gets involved and the body follows, you know, and then the tension does come in. And if they, if they didn't feel like that, they'd be robots. You know, it's just a natural. Humans, aren't they? Exactly. As they get closer, you know. But the what's in our favour is we've done it now three times in the last five years. You know, we have the experience, we still have the players in there who have gone through that. You know, the the season, the Pipped United for it, you know, they have all those experiences that they, they called on during that stretch of games, that'll be in their mind and they'll know what's needed and they'll they'll experience feelings in the changing room that 
they're not happy with and they'll want to change it very quickly because they'll feel like they maybe dipped off a little bit. Liverpool won't know that. They won't, they won't understand those periods where players aren't quite at it, they're not training right, you know, the, the intensity's not right before a game. City will know, so it'll play a huge part in it, you know. I get that, but you know this run of fixtures that I've just mentioned and the fact that Liverpool went out of the FA Cup, went yeah. out of the League Cup, is there an advantage to be to be fresher, to have a, more of a rest, or would you rather, as a player, have been faced with Arsenal one week, Everton the next, Chelsea the next? And I'm not talking week actually. I'm talking three or four days. Which would you rather have? Um, or and is there an advantage to either of them? Well, the depth of the squad and the injuries, you know, is touch wood is good. Um, but let's not, just imagine it was your team yeah. when there wasn't that depth. Then would you have preferred a game it, every I three days? I think it massively favours Liverpool. Do you? I really do because it's the holy grail, the league. It's the only thing that matters. Do you know, it'll be. It's so much more important. You know, I've got a lot of um, players at, at the football club or Liverpool fans. You know, not interested in Europe, not interested in the Champions League. Have to win the league. This is the chance. This is the one they've been waiting for, and. Um, and it will favour them that they're out of them cup so they can stay fresh and have their total focus on the next game. Um, but on the flip side of it, City with momentum, you know, and being able to bring in the Foden and the players that they've, they've, they've kind of eased into the picture over the last couple of weeks, the strength is there to go and just keep maintaining games of football, keep winning. Because for me, um, I spoke about this last week, it's not physically is the problem it's mentally it's matching that intensity and being able to i i even experienced it at the uh, when i first came to city do you know the expectations i don't i wasn't tired i wasn't physically tired but mentally thinking about playing a massive game and then having to go again and then go again then a champions league and then an fa cup semi-final to reach that intensity and to reach those standards at week in week out is so difficult mentally not physically, because they'll still co cover the same yardage. They'll still have the same amount of sprints. But to actually be able to go through with, the, you know, and be invigorated and excited going into the game, it just drains, you know. And and that's the probably with the manager and the, and the, I suppose the sports scientists will have to play their part, monitoring the players and say who is fresh actually to go again, you know, because your Fernandinho's, your David Silva's, and all that, Aguero, they'll want to play every game. But that's where the manager, I guess, has got to be clever and, and see what's needed for each individual game. Because I think at times, you know, we've when we stepped away a little bit from our strongest, you know, we've got results, but we haven't quite looked. You know, when we're when our strongest eleven's out, I just you just sit back and watch and you think, you know, we're winning. But when David Silva's not in or Ferrandinho's missing or Aguero, do you know where although Jesus has really stepped up to the mark over the last month? Um, I always feel we just don't quite look as formidable as our strongest 11. And I am my strongest 11, I'm sure you do as well. Um, and when what I believe is our strongest 11 is on the pitch, nobody can touch us. That strongest 11, and there's been a lot of debate, I'm sure you'll back me up on this, Emily, and I want to hear your views on this as well. That strongest 11 debate has centred a lot around one player who's getting a lot of stick in one quarter. Maris. Yeah, you got that before me. Uh, but also I've seen people quoting back the number of assists, the number of goals he's scored and defended him on that basis. Where do you stand on, on Mares? either or both of you? You know, you, you start, Emily. I think he needs to be a bit more of a game player, as in he, he's, he's quite selfish. 
And I, I understand that as a player and such a flair player like that, he wants to go for glory and he wants to score the screamers. But sometimes you've got to take a look back and a lot of what City do at the moment is play for each other. You know, they're there for each other and, and Sane's got a bit more about that, about him. I think if he adds that to his game and Mara's and he's just that, we saw it at the, the, the Burnley game because he, he put the assist in didn't he so we, we know that he's capable of, of being like that just think before you take a shot look around you lift your head up and, and see who's around because I just think he's a, he can be a little bit hot-headed and a little bit selfish if he was a bit more of a team player for me you know that would improve his game I mean he's, he's a brilliant player and I wanted him at the club but you think the, the I, penalty I, I miss? Over him you think the, the penalty miss at Liverpool has, has made a difference in the way he's perceived by City players? It shouldn't do. Uh, fans, I should it say. It shouldn't do, should it? Because Aguero's missed penalties, and everybody loves Aguero. No, that shouldn't have an effect whatsoever. But I just think the the standard is so high at City, and the, the, the players that we've got. You know, we can afford to be a little bit picky, but I, I don't like fans who, who single players out because they, they've done that a lot this season with Jesus as well. Fans are quite keen to have a scapegoat and it's it leaves a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Jesus has been a victim of that and he's really come into form, as Andy said. Um, I'm a big fan of him. But I think, yeah, Mares, he knows what he's got to do. It's just whether he's capable of actually doing it. To the mere fact that I've even brought him up, some people will say, I'm picking him out. Yeah. But we've got nothing to talk about if we don't <laughs> talk about situations well, he is like this. topical at the moment. And he is very topical. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll give you my views on him. I think when you think back to, to your era, Andy, uh, or any era, uh, you always... Fans love somebody who puts in loads of effort, or is seen at least, or perceived to put a lot of effort in. Uh, now, I know different players play in different ways, and some might argue that certain types types of players who play in certain positions might not look as if they put as much effort in. And because he's a winger, Mares, that is sometimes, because you can look at Sane and say, well, he doesn't run around charging round, and sometimes he gets a little bit of criticism for his work rate. But to me, the thing that disturbs me, if that's the right word about Mares, is that his body language doesn't, to me, say, I'm running... I'm putting sweat on, I'm running and running around. Now, I know it's not all about running around, but if you're delivering the end results, as Sane is, as Sterling is, the fact that in parts of the game they may not be running around, you're sort of forgiven for. But at the moment, it feels to me as if Mares isn't really delivering, but he's also not looking like he's working hard. And I think it's the two things together that are meaning that people... And at the moment, are are perceiving him as, to be honest with you, a little bit of a failure, especially at the money that that's been paid for him. Is that fair? Do you think, Andy? Uh, Nobody would have ever accused you. Of- I I think it's um, very harsh, to be honest. Do you know, it's just how I see it. Um, I think he's come into a, you know, a championship-winning team. You know, a strong squad. And I think he's he made an he's made a, an impression, and um, you know I've been really impressed with his quality. You know he's a complete game changer. You know we uh, whether whether that's coming into a game and changing the dynamics of it. You know when he starts maybe, um, it might reflect what you've just said there. But I have not seen that. You know, I've seen you know it, you've got an incredibly astute manager who 
covers every single detail on a player's recovery runs and their responsibilities out of possession of the ball. You know, even even more so than what they're doing with the ball. You know, he's he's that clued into everything. And and if Maris is not doing the yardage, if he's not doing doubling up, if he's not tracking, if he's not getting the initial sprints in when they lose possession, he won't play. Well, Devil's Advocate says he's been playing him in the cup ties of late, mm. but he's left him out of, I think, the last three Premier League games. So the sceptical fans, who I'm trying to represent here by giving the other side of the argument, would say, there's your proof. But who's he's not picking him for? for the big games. Who's he leaving him out for? Either, he's either leaving him out for Sterling or Sane, hey, essentially, well, isn't he? Well, surely you rest your case there on that. He's leaving him out for the two outstanding wide men in world football. So he's not really leaving him out, is he? It's not like he's bringing a kid in or, or giving... Um, Diaz, when he was here ahead of him, do you know, you're putting Sterling in, who is right at the top in the top ten players in world football, and then you've got Sane, who is, for me, just game on game, month on month, year since he come to the club, is improving. So you've got two world class players. So I don't really think you know, really picking players ahead of him. I think they're in the box seat, and I think if one of them needs to rest or one of them needs to be pulled out for a period or taken off, then Mara steps in. But he's definitely not ahead of them two at the moment. So the people who are criticising Mahrez, you think, are wrong? Yeah, I do. I think it's, I think it's harsh. I think, uh, as you said there, I don't, I don't see a need to criticise. I don't see a need to, to pick a player out. It just seems uh, um, reflective of the times where we're at. You know, we're absolutely flying on four fronts and yet we're still looking to, to pick somebody out, you know, and Mesus, you know, who has had that. Of course, fans have an opinion that the lad's 21 years old. I forget that sometimes. Even when I was watching him and, and thinking, like, you know, I think he's got a long way to go in, in his all-round build-up play, um, his decision-making, you know, it will improve. And then I remember he's 21 years old. And he's playing in the Premier League. You know, tell me another twenty-one-year-old striker in world football who's doing what he's doing at the moment. There isn't one. So he's right again at the top. And some of the things he's done in the last month make you think that what he's actually seen at eighteen, nineteen, leading into you know that at twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, we are going to have somebody that's going to be able to not just step into Aguero's. Um, boots. He's going to actually be able to kick on and be one of the best in the world. I, I've seen that over the last month, just little glimpses that I think, wow, this kid's going to be special, do you know, because we lose sight of the fact he's 21. Who's undroppable then at City? Ferrandino. Simple as that. Just, just him? Um, I think we can mix and match. I think Gundogan comes in, I think he doesn't look out of place. Um, you know, if David's out or De Bruyne, I think the wide men, he say, Maris, we can mix it and match, but we can't, you know, and that, is that a problem going forward? That we, you know, where is he? You know, I, I've, I actually scouted through my own sort of network of midfielders in world football the other week. Uh, me and my son were just, we were going through, because Aaron's a, a huge City fan, like, you know, and we were trying to think of one. Nobody came to mind. You know, he is the best in world football bar none that's how highly I rate him um, and that's he's so important to what we do and um, could rem- De Jong have been the player um, not to not to Ferrandino's no. level no because there's his appreciation of of um, of that what's around him actually in in, in reading things almost 
there was I saw something the other week and it was just incredible. A ball got played up to the centre half and the centre half body shape or the opposition was in such a position that Ferrandini was already running left before he'd actually headed the ball. And it was just like, wow, he's that clued in in the game that before the lads headed it, he's seen that he's changed his body shape. The only place on the spin on the ball, the only place it can go was to the left and Ferrandini was already running past two of the opposition midfielders, picked the ball up, bang, out wide again. And I thought, you know, wow, he, he is especially his passing range. Um, you know, he could actually play more than an advanced role and do what De Bruyne does, his passing is that good. Um, and... You just mentioned De Bruyne there, and I don't know whether you want to come in on this, Emily, but De Bruyne played in the Fernandinho role at Burton. Now, I know it was only Burton, and I know we were already 9-0 up for the first leg, so in a way you could argue, and it was, I know it was on a dodgy pitch, and it probably froze up as the game went along, so there were a lot of factors there that you could chuck into the equation, and I'm a huge fan of KDB, but I looked at that game and I thought, you, there, is, there is a very specific part of what Fernandinho does that, that you're talking about, Andy, and you're highlighting, uh, which you know, I mean, the way I would describe it is that Fernandinho can play with a 360-degree vision. It's almost as if he's got eyes in the back of his head. So when he receives the ball in any position, he already is a move ahead, which is what you said, vision, I don't know what it is, but a combination of all those things. So he knows what's round him, he knows which way he can turn, he knows what where the out, immediate outbird ball is if he miscontrols it. He's got all that vision. Now KDB, brilliant player, vision, going forward, either flank, down the middle, and his execution of passes is second to none. But I didn't think KDB could play the, the Fernandinho role. Nobody can because it's Fernandinho, and that is the sole reason why we lost those games in December without a shadow of a doubt, because he is, like Andy said, completely and utterly irreplaceable. He is absolutely out there, one of a kind. He is such an important player for us. And you can bring other players in and try and play them in that role, like KDB. I think even Stones has played in that role, which we won't talk about because that was a bit of a Baby disaster. Baby and Delph's played there. Delph's Sinchenko's played, played there. Gunduan. Yeah, Gunduan's played but there. But nobody, nobody plays there like Fernandinho. And it's like what we were talking about then. With the, We talk about the squad and we talk about the players. It's quite clever in a way, though, that Andy was saying about when you look at City and they play their complete creme de la creme 11 we look absolutely world beaters invincible but then it's clever that with all these games coming thick and fast that we can just tinker a little bit and put Gundogan in and Mahrez in and Otamendi in but we can still grind out the results and yeah we don't look the invincible glittering gleaming mesmerizing city that we do with all the silky players in but it's not always about that sometimes sometimes it's about getting the job done grinding the results out especially at this time of the season and it's a credit to Pep and the squad that we've got and the players that we've got and I'm not taking away from those players because they're absolutely fantastic players but they're able to come in and do a role and do a job like that and that's what we need at the moment and it's important that we keep that momentum going but as for Fernandinho he is one of a kind and it does worry me that there isn't anybody out there. And I agree, Frankie de Jong is not at that level either. So who do we get? Because it's so important. We've seen what it's like when he's not there. It's cost us points and we're behind because he wasn't there. I'm not saying it's his fault, obviously, but there was a massive hole there and he's irreplaceable. 
Have you seen enough of Eric Garcia? Because I know you study young players as well, Andy, to know whether... And I know he plays as a centre-back. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you think... Because some people have suggested he might be the long, long-term successor that eventually, as a defender, defensive midfielder, he might work in that role. Um, I've only seen him at centre-half, you know, when he looks very comfy, reads the game well. Um, he's, uh, he's still young and it's, I, I always think you've got to be careful labelling any player as the next this or the next that because you know, they're unique in their own way in how they play and how they see the game. And um, you know, it's to, to actually replace Ferrandino, I'm sure will be, uh, that's a worldwide search that I'm sure is actively going on now. You know, this name's been, thrown, out. This name's been thrown up, you know, but uh, if there is anyone, you know, then the recruitment side of the club will find him. Anyone who's close because, you know, they're that diligent, they'll, they'll have a detail on everyone in world football who's, but it has to be the kind of the right age, you know, it's uh, something around 25, 26, 27, I would have thought it would be ideal to come in. Um, but I still see Ferrandino another couple of seasons in him, at least, you know, because, um, again, sports science is taking these 33-year-olds down to 29, sort of five, even five years ago, it's moved on that, that fast mm. um, with the way, they're, the way they're protected, the way they're looked after, you know. An absolute thoroughbred, the man. Do you know, he's, he, if you asked him now, he'd probably say, I'm fitter now than I ever was through my 20s. Um, I should have heard him say that recently. And, you know, and so why? You know, it's just a number. Is he better than Yaya? He's different to Yaya. Yeah, Yaya yeah, 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 was, um, yeah, Yaya yeah, was just a, a freak of nature, really. He was um, such an athlete, you know, who can carry the ball. And, uh, and just bully people all over the pitch, you know, where, and could carry the ball for periods of the game, you know, and get you up the pitch where Ferrandina tends to put the fires out very quickly and move the ball on very quickly and then get back into his shape. You know, he's not looking for glory passes. He's not looking for accolades, assists. He's just, you know, you can rely on him 100% every single game. Not can't remember him having a bad game. I'm going to wrap up this particular podcast a bit earlier than normal, as I say, because there's going to be a second podcast which is going to focus on Andy and his career. Um, so I'll just finish off by saying that Newcastle is the is the next game. Then there's a sequence of Arsenal, Everton and Chelsea. Given what we've just been talking about, Fernandinho, presumably, you'd want to play in all of those games, certainly in the three in the middle. I said the three in the middle, the three after Newcastle. Um, and presumably all these silky players that you mentioned, they all have to play in those because, to me, Arsenal, uh, where Everton and Chelsea are three of the toughest games you're going to play this season, yeah. aren't they? Or certainly what's left. Yeah. Newcastle, I think, you know, Newcastle and Everton, it's lucky that we've kind of got those games and we can bring that flexibility in them. We can rotate, like I said, we can introduce the... The, the different players like Otamendi, Gundogan, Mares, and then I'd be playing, you know, De Bruyne, Sterling, Silva, Sane in the Arsenal and Chelsea. Are, you, are you suggesting that Arsenal might not be as difficult as Everton away? Because I'm more worried about Everton away. No. No? What do you think? No. I not think, at the moment. For me, I think you've got to be respectful of every team. You know, Newcastle have just been done 2 0 at home in the Cup. They're going to be really, really hurt and angry and the fans are going to be up for it. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere. That is a really, really tough game. If City are bang at it, 
and play to their full potential and Newcastle play to their full potential we win it by two or three goals but you know it, it's just there's no easy games especially this time of the season and that's going to be a really tough game although we do have a good record there of late just a final word on the FA Cup draw. I mean, it could have been Chelsea away that United have got. It's it's Middlesbrough, who of course recorded in my lifetime since his record defeat in the, mm-hmm. the last game of Sven, or it could be Newport County who went out of the league and have come back, and obviously Welsh. So you won't have played Newport County no. as Connor's key manager, will you? No. no. Um, but either way, it's an away game, and. We've seen in the in the FA Cup this year that, that teams can go away like Tottenham did and you know on other teams and, and you can slip up if you underestimate the opposition. Yeah. Is this one that, that City can afford to just play like they did against Burnley and Rotherham or is it going to be tougher? Um, I think if they go into it with the same mindset as Burnley and Rotherham, I think they'll be fine. You know, um, I think Middlesbrough will beat Newport at Newport, so we'll be going to Middlesbrough. And like I say, if if whatever eleven are put out, if they're all at it and bang on in the day, we'll have too much from Middlesbrough. Um, and and again, it just keeps the momentum going of winning games of football. And you can't win too many games of football because it just breeds that confidence. You know, the changing room is buzzing. There's a, there's an air of confidence around everyone. You know, you you expect to win every game of football. You know, when it's um, and that's a, that's a really good place to be where they're at the minute and they're really everything's coming together right? like there's a real energy the performances are good there's goals are coming in you know and we, exp- you, we expect to score two or three goals and if we can keep the back door shut you know it's going to take probably three goals at least three goals to, to, for a team to beat us because we're scoring so many goals every game it's incredible you confident? I'm actually not no because they knocked us out a couple of seasons ago didn't they? So I'm not overly confident. I saw the draw and I kind of cringed. Um, but we should have enough and maybe it's a worry if we don't. But we can't take it for granted. And especially in the cup because it's the cup, isn't it? They all want to win it. They all like the, the cup upsets and we've seen plenty of them so far as well. So, yeah, we've got to really be on. But it, it worries me because at this time of year, there's normally a bit of a sacrifice. We've seen it in the past with managers who tend to get to this point and feel like they have to make a decision. That and, Chelsea game is yeah. the one you're thinking out in your mind. And then, yeah, mm. and it breaks my heart because I love the FA Cup for me when we won it, when we beat United to get to the final and then we beat Stoke. Unbelievable scenes to bring that banner down and that will just always stick with every City fan. And I, it's just got such a big place in my heart, the FA Cup. I love the magic of it and the romance of it. So we've got to be really on our guard because it won't be easy, but none of the games are at the moment. No. Just got to keep it going. Right, well, thanks very much to Andy and Emily for uh, for this podcast. Um, and, of course, we'll be doing another one uh, next Monday. Um, but, of course, remember, there's the special one with Andy as well. So thanks very much to D&W Cars for sponsoring this podcast and all the podcasts till the end of the season. And thanks very much to the Holiday Inn at Central Park for being our host. We'll see you next time. Good.